All right, we're going to continue a series that we started a few weeks ago called Known. Um, oh, by the way, um, this just in, apparently the creepiest uh, engagement sheet ever is completely sold out. <laughs> I did not know it was a popularity contest, <laughs> but the, if you wanted the stalker sheet, it's no longer back there. There's only the three regular people now, so sorry if you missed it. It was a collectible, collectible item, apparently, Christopher, so... Way to go. Um, we've been doing this series called Known, and we've been putting photos of folks. I don't know. We haven't really talked about why we did that yet, um, but I hope it's that, you know, we start to see each other differently a little bit, Family Bible Church. I mean, we've been talking from Psalm 139 about how intricately God made us and how intricately he knows us and how, how unfathomably uh, beautiful we are, wonderfully made in, in our created image, the way God made us. Um, and even more in the psalmist, we're talking about how the things that happen in life shape us into the people that God is, is calling us to be. Um, and I know we go through many good and bad things in life, but they all kind of turn or twist us into this, this image that God is remaking after his own son, Jesus. And I hope that part of what we do, because we try not to do anything really wasted or frivolous. I don't know if you believe that. We're, we really try to make everything count. And part of what we're trying to do is get us to see each other maybe for the first time again. It's been a huge blessing, and I appreciate those who took the photos the first week, and we've been using those through the whole series. The series is rooted in this idea that, that you are known by God, but that you're important to God. And that might sound silly, but it, it feels to me like sometimes that churches can get along just fine without the people. You know what I mean? Or vice versa, that people can get along just fine without the church. That somehow God isn't doing something special in his people whenever he calls us together for a purpose, to worship him for sure, to encourage one another for sure, you know, um, but to see each other, uh, to struggle together um, to, to uh, you know, to look, and there's something that's kind of awkward about having your photo put up. I mean, th th people can really stare, you know, have you ever heard that saying, um, why don't you just take a picture? That was so, so 80s, I'm so sorry. But it happened in the 80s, you say, don't always take a picture, it lasts longer, you know, especially if you were like an attractive person, happened to me a lot, I'm just saying. No, I mean, a lot of women said, hey, why don't I take a picture, it lasts longer, Bill. <laughs> happened to me a lot, I'm just saying. But there's something that when you really study, this is a beautiful thing about marriage because there's no one to let you stare at them as long as your spouse normally, <laughs> you know? And eventually the masks, if you're married long enough, the masks come off. If you're married long enough, they come off. Boy, they, they're there from courtship, but then they, they slowly come off and you see the real person, the details, the intricacies of who they are. And somehow it's all beautiful, even the ugly parts. God makes beautiful. I don't understand that exactly, but that's what we're trying to do is talk about the value of who we are in Christ. But who we are, I mean, in, in God, God made us this way. And this week, we've been talking a little bit, I'll talk uh, just for a second about the scope of the, the psalm. We've been talking, if, if you, the psalms are a, a book of poetry, but it's written and it's always like an amusement ride to me. Or, you know, if you read it, there's a, there's a cadence to it. It's like the, the way we sing songs. It's got this ebb and flow. And we've been talking about the scope of the psalm. And I want to remind you, because I talked about it last week, and this will be the last time I talk about it for the psalm, but it's really wild to me because it starts out saying how known we are by God. And then it pulls back into our paths in life and how we can't flee from God, and he's everywhere we go, he's going to be there, right? And then last week, we talked about how it dived into this real intricacy of who we are, knitting us together in the mother's wombs, that he knows us fully, that he knows all the days before one of them came to be, this idea that God is intimately involved in our lives. 
And, and, and then as we come out of that kind of real, I mean, I can't, you know, it says in the depths of the soil, you saw my unformed body. We talked about that last week. So we go from this real minutia knowing of God to the psalmist saying, like this just blows up today in the psalm. I believe when David writes this, he's overwhelmed with the reality of who God is. He's just blown away by it. And he writes from his heart about this great, huge God who makes himself known. And so today, that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about is this huge view. I mean, bigger than our paths and bigger than what we are about the God who's known in glory. Um, I'm going to read from the 39th Psalm. We're only covering two verses today in the Psalm, and we're going to pray uh, for God's inspiration. But I want to read them first. Listen, this is what, so I was telling you how he, he made us, he this together. And then the psalmist says this, David says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I mean, he just goes, you're so big. You're so huge. So precious to me. That's what we're going to talk about today, the hugeness of God and his glory. I'm going to ask you to pray with me for inspiration um, as we seek him together. Father God, this morning we come into your presence to acknowledge that you are so beautiful and glorious. Everything that's good about us and everything that is beautiful in how we're created is a, is a reminder of your beauty, of your creation story. Father God, today as we come to this place to be known and to know you, I pray that you would um, just make yourself known to us. Uh, not that you're hiding, but that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. That we would have a mind to conceive the unfathomable truth of who you are. That we, 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 would, we would leave, stop putting you in a little box and just admire you for who you are today. That we would fully worship you for your glory for your presence, I mean, for you, for who you are. Father God, I'm so uh, pleased today to be able to share from the psalm, and I pray only that your Holy Spirit would empower me to proclaim it as you intend, and that it wouldn't be emotionalism, but it would be just the Holy Spirit's movement amongst your people to bring glory to your name, and that those who are far from you be drawn near to you by the mystery of faith, that you are glorious and beautiful and a lover of who we are. I thank you so much for making us and for this time together we we have to worship you. Would, you. would you empower it through your Holy Spirit, we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. As you can see, I'm really excited about this psalm in particular. We're going to jump in, by the way, and we're going to jump into Luke later. So you can, we're going to turn there. We're not going to turn it now, but later on we're going to look at um, Luke 9 as well to, to talk. So I always want to kind of root <clears throat> what we're saying in the psalm. I mean, it's not like one book says something, the other book says something else, you know, in the scriptures. It's not like there's one message here, another message there. There's this huge story of God revealing his glory to his people. And so later on we're going to look at Luke 9 after we talk through the psalm a little bit. So I told you, we turn this corner here. This is kind of whenever the script is flipped with uh, the story of being known. And I know some ways this series might feel like, boy, it's about how God knows us, God knows us, and God does know you. But here's this ridiculous revelation that David makes, that God makes himself known, that God makes himself known. You can see it right there. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I mean, it's a simple thing to say, but it's huge huge. Because David is no longer saying, oh, how you know me and how you know where I go and how you were everywhere before me and behind me, you hit me in. He's all of a sudden saying, and I know your thoughts. 
As a matter of fact, I want to point out something which is kind of wild in this psalm. And I told you there's like, there's like kind of um, ebbs and flows and cycles in the psalm. And, and here, if you look in verse 2, um, this is what David says. When he started the psalm, this is what David said. He said, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my what? Thoughts from afar. And then here in verse 17, he says, how precious to me are what? Your thoughts, O God. Those two things are connected. As a matter of fact, those two, that word is only found twice in the Bible, and it's in this psalm. That this know, being, that being known by God and knowing God is intricately intertwined. And I don't think that's an accident. God makes himself known uh, to us. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that if it weren't, if it weren't for the second part, David would know he's known. You, you see, how, how would he know how God knows him? How could he start to write a psalm like this to how well we're known if, if he didn't know he was known by God? If he didn't know God's thoughts in some way? I don't know if you ever want that in your life, you know? Like, God, you know everything. I want to know some of what you know. Would you just show me? Maybe some of you wonder what's next in your life. And you're like, God, just show me what's next. And maybe, you, you know, if you're like me, you stop asking for like five years and you go, okay, how about in the next five minutes? Will you show me what my life is going to, you know, will you help me make this next decision? Will you help me know what you're thinking in this matter? I mean, will you help me live my life? Will you walk with me all my days? David here says that he knows the thoughts of God. Um, someone said it this morning already here at worship that um, uh, we see God revealed in everything. Uh, when David says that, that he knows God, he's not saying it passively. Like, I, I think I kind of know what God's about. I think I kind of know somewhere. Like, and if you don't believe me, you can read the 19th Psalm. I'm not going to read it to this morning, but I, I read it to prepare for this morning. And the 19th Psalm says that God has made himself, the psalmist, who's David, says, you've made yourself known in three ways. He kind of lines them out in Psalm 19. And the first is this. And I mean, I, I know, because I was a, a, a non-believer for years and years and years. I did not believe God existed. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in God, let alone Jesus, right? And, and what, the, what David says in Psalm 19 is he says, God is making himself known continuously through his creation. That's what Psalm 19 says, that God has revealed himself through creation. He starts with the stars in the sky and making himself known. They pour forth their light for the glory of God. And he talks about everything being, you know, a manifestation of God's goodness. That he reveals himself through creation. I don't know if you know or not, <clears throat> this is a big season um, at Family Bible Church, and not just because it's Columbus Day weekend this weekend. I know there's lots of things happening because of that, but um, because um, it's hunting season has started. <laughs> Have you heard? <laughs> you know? Now, listen, we're okay, we're okay with that. And I don't know how, where you guys, I mean, we're okay with that. But you know, there is something about being, and I've talked to people about this, about being in creation that's worshipful if you're in the right mind space. To see, by the way, my wife hates the fall because she finds it really depressing. Anybody find that the leaves fall? I, I've never understood that. I always thought, oh, they're so pretty. And she's like, it's dying. Everything's dying, you know. Eyes to see, though, the beauty of that. I've had people say to me, when I'm out in the woods by myself, I feel so close to God. You know? When I, when I, when I get quiet, God reveals himself to me. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. And if you, know, if you find that worshipful to go out and sit in a deer stand at four in the morning in the pitch black waiting for the sun to come up, God bless you. <laughs> I just found myself terrified I was going to fall out of the deer stand. But you know, if that, that's beautiful. If you find it beautiful, is my favorite. If you find it beautiful to go out and sit in the middle of the woods and lean your rifle and fall asleep against a tree <laughs> in an orange suit. <laughs> hey, that's beautiful. Praise God for his revelation, for his rest. He makes himself known, the psalmist says, David says he makes himself known through his creation all the time. And that's one of the things, the noise of our lives, I don't know if we hear this, his revelation to us, okay? The second way that David says God makes himself known is, is through Scripture, you know? And he goes in, Psalm 19, he goes repeatedly to Scripture how beautiful, how perfect it is. Your law is perfect. Your precept, precepts are wonderful. He, he really recognizes God's revelation in Scripture. And, and I don't know if you believe that's true, but I, I have this experience with um, reading the Word of God for myself that changed my life. And if you've not done that, I would encourage you to get into the Word and read it. Just read what the Bible says. I will put out that this book is like no other book on the planet. No other book on the planet is like these texts. They reveal something about God to us that no other text reveals. And that's not being like a, a, a bigoted religious claim, man. Read it for yourself and discern the truth. That changed my life. I was going to read it like it was a book, like, you know, it was Romeo and Juliet or it was any other piece of fiction. It changed my life. Same for the Psalms. He says, God, you reveal yourself through your word, through your precepts and your laws. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then the third way that, that David, now this is interesting in Psalm 19, the third way that God reveals himself is through the Redeemer, Jesus. It's, it's the very end of the psalm. He says, my Redeemer, this coming hope, this longing for restoration that we find in Christ himself. But David has this sense when he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, that David just knows God. He's listening to God. He has eyes to see and ears to hear God speaking all around him. If your life is boring, you're not paying attention. And I'm saying that as a guy who said, I'm bored, man. You're not listening to God. You're not being obedient to what God is calling you to do in your life. Why we pour ourselves out for the one treasure that's priceless? Because it's where we find life. We find life. But there's something else that I want to say about, about the second verse in the 17th verse, and it's this, this, this word thoughts. <clears throat> Here's where you fall down on it, in my opinion. Um, the thoughts, God knowing our thoughts and us knowing God's thoughts isn't a passive act. It, it isn't something that happened before. It, it's, it's an ongoing, continual relationship with God. And that's what we're talking about in church life. It's not this one time back then I had this experience at church camp. This, my parents kind of believed and I think I kind of believed too. It's this real, daily, breathing, living relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we get where we ebb and flow and we listen and we talk and we, we, we lean and he leans. Do you know what I mean? It's this in you know what I mean? It's, we know your thoughts. You know our thoughts. It's not you knew what I thought, or you know what I'm gonna, you know all my thoughts. I know your thoughts as I live this life. That's huge, and it's about this relationship with God. I don't know, do you have that kind of relationship with God? 
I'm not trying to freak you out, but I mean, do you have that relationship where you talk and listen and obey and you know and you believe? Because that's what we're talking about with Jesus. Nothing else, not right rules or, 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 or things to do or not to do, but listening and obeying and talking and sharing. It's the truth of Scripture. It's all throughout. And David says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. The second thing, and it's right there in it, is that this knowing of God is precious. God makes himself known. Here we go. Should be the next one. Yeah. To know God is precious. It's not a passive thing. It's, it's amazing that we get to know God at all. I mean, if you think about the created order, if you think about the universe, and if you think about, you know, there's some people who say that. They, they call themselves agnostics. They go, they go well, well, there might be a God, but he's not knowable. You know, I mean, she's not knowable. It's not knowable. You know what I mean? The whatever is not knowable. I can't know it. Um, that's not true. He reveals himself. And when he does, it's a precious gift to, to recognize that. I would encourage you, man. And you know, the scripture says it like fan it into flames, you know. Hold on to that ember that God has given you that he's real and present and active in your life. Pursue him at all costs. That cuts across everything, man. The way you were raised, where you at right now, what's going on, that you continue to, to pursue God. Where are you? What are you doing? You have to be willing to be wrong. It's precious gift from God. David says they're precious. We'll talk about what that, that means. I mean, he, he, of course, it means they're, they're, they're of high value, right? Um, they're, they're, they're worth more than anything to David, which is crazy because he's King David, right? He has like everything, but, but to know God is worth more. Um, that means for him, like his job isn't as important as knowing God, you know? His relationship with his spouse isn't as important as knowing God. His, his parenting of his children, the way his parents treat him is not as important as knowing God. The, the current situation that he faces is as important as knowing God because it's precious, it's valuable, and some of us, I mean, I, I can't believe how complacent we've got where we're just like, you know, you just throw away Jesus. You're like, well, yeah, everybody believes Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus or everybody knows God. It's all the same God. And we don't act like there's this beautiful treasure that we've been given in Christ, that he's revealed himself to us, that we've got to know God in a, a real way. David says it's a, a, a high value. But not only that, this word precious, it means it's got weight, you know? Now, that kind of makes sense if you think back in the day when they used to, like, weigh out things that were valuable, the things that were heavier were valuable, you know? But that means it has this weight to it, this, this you know, mass. It's, it's heavy. It's, it's worth carrying, but it's going to change every— you're going to walk funny, Right? You're going to strain under the weight of it. It's precious to me. It matters in my life. And then the third, which is really funny, and it kind of, all these tie together. They're real subtle, but I think it's interesting to look at it because these are all ways that this word is used. It's rare. I mean, what makes something valuable? How rare it is, right? You know, if everybody's got one, it ain't really worth much. If everyone's going, it ain't really the same thing, right? But what if it's, what if it's a gift? Huh? I mean, what if God's given it to you? 
and you kind of look at it and you go, everybody's got one, and you throw it away? That's ridiculous. Rare, precious. I will go to the ends of the earth to find it. I, I will sell everything I have to keep it. I will protect it with my life. I will not give it up for anything. It's beautiful and precious to me. I don't know if you, this is a little off topic, but, but I don't know if you guys have been catching all the flack from the news, man. You know, I, I just this week got an uh, email sent to me that, about people who are being beheaded for their faith. This isn't something new. We don't deal with it here very much. People will just like stop taking our calls or whatever, but, but they won't kill us normally for our faith here. But I've had some people come to me and they say, man, I don't know, dude. If I'm there and this guy's like, is Jesus or death? You know, you got to either say, you, you know, you, you don't necessarily believe in Jesus. You don't necessarily believe in the God who's revealed himself to you or you got to die. I might choose to live because that's heavy. That's real. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, right? You don't, what would you do? And David says, no, this is rarer. This is rarer than even breathing. It's worth more. Position of faith. B by the way, the email that I was sent this week were about children who were being killed for not renouncing Jesus. Children. It's a, it's, it's a crazy world, man. And we have to know who we believe and why we believe and that that belief goes beyond life, beyond death. It's, just, it's not just like some hopeful, wishful, maybe someday thinking, but that Jesus has died to save you from death and that you would not give him up for anything else in the world, anything. Not the job you want, not the house you want, not the place you want to be, not your life, not your life. All down for him. Why? Because to know God is precious and it's a gift. And man, the beautiful, my favorite thing to see is people who come out of religion. And by the way, I came out of religion too, so it's okay if you do, you know. But people who come out of religion where they thought like, hey, this is it's the best you can hope for is some rights and wrongs, you know. And matter of fact, I was thinking this morning, and I'll just share this with you, but this idea that, um, that the question that you might ask is, um, uh, are you good enough for Jesus? That's one gospel. Am I good enough for Jesus? Have I done enough good stuff for Jesus? You know what I mean? Will he accept me because I'm good enough for him? And another question, which is funny, that I feel like we talk a lot when we talk to non-believers, atheists, and agnostics, is Jesus good enough for me? That's the other gospel. Is he good enough for me? Because I'm pretty, I don't know if Jesus is good enough for me. I'll have to examine his life and decide. But the real gospel question is, is Jesus good enough for God? Because we're sinners. We're flawed and broken. And Jesus is precious, man. And the gospel asks the question, is Jesus good enough for God? Is he good enough that we're like of everything else in our lives to follow him? Is he good enough for eternity? Scripture says over and over again, this is the gospel. This is the good news. You should come out of religion and believe in Jesus. Forsake your religion to believe in Jesus. He's the only one that's good enough. Now, the third thing we're going to talk about today from this psalm, a couple of verses here is in verse 18. The psalmist goes on. 
how vast is the sum of them, right? That's how, how large, how huge. But the psalmist says this, if I were to count them, they'd be outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. It's this idea that, that, that um, uh, God is bigger than our dreams. He's bigger than we could imagine. He's bigger than we can hope for. Like God is big enough, you know? He's bigger than our dreams. He says it twice there. He says, uh, how vast is the sum of your thoughts? How vast, that's how large, how huge, right? But then it also, he says, um, if I were to count them, so they're numerous, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Um, this, this idea that how, how beautiful the thoughts of God are, how wonderful they are, I want to uh, help you understand a little more that it's about, it's, it's tied into um, strength. This is going to sound really weird. I hope you go with me for a minute. But it, the word actually has to do with the thigh bone, the thigh bone, right? Connected to the hip bone, you know what I'm saying, right? It's called the femur, apparently. I didn't know that. It's the femur, right? And so I thought, now this is why I did I thought, well, this is, this says like how, how strong, you know, how, how, how vast are your thoughts. It's like the thigh bone, you know. And I thought, well, why would the psalmist write that about the thigh bone? Why would he compare God's thoughts to the thigh bone? It's such a weird thing to do. And here I looked it up, and this is what, the, this is what it says. You can look it up yourself, right? This is out there. But here we are, modern science. It is the strongest and longest bone in our body. It is the hardest one to break. Right? Matter of fact, um, I, I read something they said that um, the, the force to break it properly, break it, you mostly fracture them because to break it clean through is just, you know, a, a really horrific uh, experience. To do that. Why? It's where we get these thoughts from God has, has, you know, the power, this realization of God's glory. I mean, more strength when our body fails us are the thoughts of God. You know, when our, when our physical frames wear out, his, his, his strength is stronger. His thoughts are stronger. And then he, he does say numerous. Not only are they strong, but they're numerous, right? More than the grains of the sand. Look at what it says, man. Because it doesn't say anything else. It doesn't say like the grains of sand on the seashore, the grains of the sand at Daytona Beach or Hawaii or whatever, right? It says the grains of sand, period. Like there are more thoughts that God has about us revealing himself to us than there are grains of sand, period. I don't know. I just get tripped up on stuff like that. Like, that's crazy because how small is a grain of sand? If I smash it with a hammer, there's more grains of sand. Like, there's no end to it. That's how big God is. That's how much he's thinking, how much he's revealing himself to us everywhere, the sand. Matter of fact, I don't know if you're like, we love to go to, we love to, go to beaches for vacation. Anybody like to go to beaches for vacation? Yeah. One of the things that happens that's absolutely maddening when we're on vacation is my wife loves to try to keep the condo or whatever standing clean. <laughs> hey, I'm always like, hey, we're on vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't even like to keep our house clean, you know? And, but she's like, we're tracking sand everywhere, you know? And then every time we go to the beach, she has to like rinse it all. Oh, they're everywhere. I can't get them off of me, you know? Matter of fact, talk about Dan Burns since he's not here this morning. His favorite thing is glitter. Glitter. Dan loves glitter. So if you can take a little glitter and get it in Dan's life, he will be, he will be all happy with you. He loves it. Because he says it's like Jesus' thoughts. He's like, you can't get them off of you because they just, they go. They continue to show up, you know? Three days later, he's working on a construction job somewhere, and someone's like, hey, dude, you got glitter in your face. <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's a prank worth paying, playing right there, right? 
not my favorite thing. I'm just, this is so wrong, but I always want to get those, like, little, those boxes that goes like, poof, you know what I mean, to Dan. <laughs> oh, I'd just be afraid of what he'd do to me if I did that. <laughs> but no, it's like that. You can't get rid of it. It's like glitter. It's like sand, you know? You can't get it all. You can't get it out of the house. That's the way God's thoughts are. They're everywhere. They're sticking to you right now. And we walk around saying, where's God? Why don't God show up? The psalmist says, even when I awake, even when I awake, you're still there. Man, that's beautiful. That even when he gets up, wakes up, you know, this, like, if I were dreaming of how big God is, if I were to have this crazy dream about his expanse and his beauty and his majesty, when I woke up, he would still be right there with me. There'll be no lack of God. That's amazing to me. You can go ahead and turn off, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going we're to close with this text. The Gospel of Luke. While you're turning there, if you would, I want to share with you some of the context. Peter has just revealed, Peter just confessed Christ, they say, right? They, he just said, you are Christ, the Son of the living God, right? The Messiah, Jesus affirms this in, in Peter. And right after that, I want you to see this amazing story. You may have heard it before. It's kind of, I don't know if it's taught a lot, man, but it's a beautiful part of the text. And we're going to read it now. Starting in verse 28 of, Matthew, of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, that was, you know, affirmed this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Man, I, just a couple things as we get into this text, right? I want you to see how Jesus goes like, you, you, and you come with me. Like, that's the way we talk about how precious this relationship with God is. Don't miss that, that if Jesus is showing up in your life, you should honor that, because he's like saying, hey, you, come with me. Hey, you, come with me. It's, it's not like us, hey, everyone, come with me. He's like, you, you, and you, Peter, John, and James. And by the way, this is the only time it happens. Jesus does this repeatedly, where he calls certain disciples to come closer to him. He wants to show them something. And they went up the mountain to pray. Verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. I want you to hear that again. They were talking about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment or completion at Jerusalem. That's the cross. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but then they became, or when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men that were standing with him, right? I mean, so here's some grace for us. Like, these three guys are handpicked by Jesus to go up the mountain. Hey, come with me. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think these disciples, like, why don't you get it, man? He's asked you to follow him up the mountain to pray. And they go up there and they get bored with Jesus. They get sleepy in his presence. I mean, that's crazy to me. I think if I was there, I'd be like right next to him, like, I'm going to outpray Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do this better than you are, son of God, savior of me. Do you know what I mean? And these guys are like, And they're, I mean, I don't know what they're doing. They're screwing around, you know. Hey, what's he doing? He's praying again, you know. I love, though, this is what happens. When they were fully awake, they saw Jesus, man. Wake up! They were fully awake. They saw Jesus. Oh, I need that in my life sometimes. I need that in my life sometimes. I need God to wake me up and see Jesus in my life. They saw him while they were sleeping. Look, they, they saw his glory. There it is. And the two men standing with him, they saw the glory of God. 
And the men, as the men were leaving uh, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters or tabernacles, right? One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I love the parenthetical comment. He did not know what he was saying, you know, because Peter all of a sudden was like, this was my good idea. Oh, hey, this was great. That I got to come here with you. Why don't I do something special to worship you? As if it wasn't Jesus revealing himself to them. Remember I told you that earlier? God reveals himself to us. It's not our good idea. He says, hey, you, come with me. And he shows you things. He's not going to show maybe anyone else. And Peter says, oh, I had to do something special because, you know, you showed us this. He doesn't know what you're saying. If you don't believe it, look at verse 34, man. While Peter was still speaking, a cloud appeared and surrounded, enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered that cloud. You know what I mean? Like, there's this moment, and, and Peter's like, I got a good idea. And then God's like, it's me. <laughs> you know, I'm your best idea, Peter. What are you going to do? I mean, it's me. He surrounds them in this cloud, and a voice came from the cloud saying, this, Jesus, is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found out that Jesus they found that Jesus was alone. Oh, come on. And the disciples kept this to themselves. They told no one what they had seen. This huge revelation, this realization that, that God had given them a precious gift in showing him to themselves, and that, that he was bigger than they could have imagined. They were so big, they couldn't even talk about it. That's, that's what we're talking about with Jesus this relationship that surrounds us, that engulfs us. And I don't know if you have that this morning. I don't even know if you want that this morning. You know what I mean? In your life, every day, at work, at home, if you really want that surrounding presence of God, the, the one that will not be con content with you, um, just sloughing things off and sleeping at the wheel. But this is, wake up. I'm here. I'm talking to you. Man, that's different. Now, not to get too hard on, on Peter, I want to share one final quote with you. It's from the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite lines from Peter. And, it, and man, this is that moment when you're out in the desert and you feel like God is, you know, you're just, I don't know what I'm even doing anymore. And you're talking, though, listen to God about it. God, what are we even doing here? I don't even know where I'm going now. It says that many people, when they get to that place, they walk away from God. That's what, the, that's what, uh, the Gospel of John said, many people walked away from God at that point. And then I love this. After these people walk away from Jesus, they just go, I don't know what we're doing here anymore, Jesus. I didn't sign up for all this. Look at Peter, man. I love this. Jesus says, you do not want to leave me too, do you? He asked the 12 still with him. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I just want to encourage you that, that, that being in that place is a place of a disciple. Man, where else would I go, Jesus? At that moment, you know, if you will only forsake Jesus, you could have everything you want in life, right? For what? Of what value is it to me? Where else should we go? Why? Because you have the words of eternal life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that he has come to set us free and he has come to redeem us fully, not in a religious way. I hope you just leave that out, man. Just get rid of it and just believe the gospel of Jesus today. He's enough for you. He's enough for me. He's enough for everyone who would believe. So I don't know today, if you know God like that, I mean, this is what I'm saying. The psalmist, see, it's not about how much God knows you. God knows everybody, but it's like, does God make himself known to you? Is he doing that work? And if so, you ought to respond. And I don't mean to know about him, no facts or Bible verses or whatever you raised in church. That's great. I mean to know him in a relational way. If you don't know him, today is a day you can just enter into a relationship with him. And it's not magic. It's not hocus pocus. It's not a show at this church. Look at us, right? Family Bible. It's not a show here. You can just talk to him today. We're going to ask the band to come back up and do a response song. While we're singing, just talk to God about where you're at, you know? And if you're like in that desert and you're like, man, I, I don't know what's next. I want you to think about these words, man. Where else should we go? I'm coming to you again. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Um, I don't know. If you don't, if you don't know, ask God to show you. I'm just that, you know? God, I hear this wonderful psalm today about how you're everywhere. You're like sand. You're stuck all over me. You're like glitter. I can't get rid of it. You're showing up and you're revealing yourself to me. Would you show me that today? That's a beautiful prayer. Would you show me yourself? Pray with me if you would. Father God, today that's our prayer. That if, if we know you, that we would know you more. If we don't know you, that we'd be drawn near. That we would believe this beautiful gospel of a God who is enough, of a God who's done enough, a God who's given enough, a God who loves enough, a God who saves enough. Father God, today as we come into your presence to just worship you and honor you, I pray for all my friends here and myself that we would know you more, more fully, that you would, you know, help us to wake up and have eyes to see. May we not leave this place not seeing who you are in our lives. And I pray this radical prayer in Jesus' name that you would forever change us because we know you. That we would never be the same no matter what. Always, always be showing yourself to us and always, always, always be challenging what we think we know about you because you are beyond what we can possibly know. May we follow you in faith, believing in you. Father God, would you be glorified through our faith today? Would you be glorified through our song? Would you be glorified through all sinners who come to repentance today. That the hell of heavens would celebrate. We ask that you would do this work, the only work, the only work that you can do, the work that only you can do, Father. Would you do that work in Jesus' name?